0: Welcome to the Wealth Tank Podcast, Passive Investing for Veterans. Our mission is to educate, inspire, and motivate you to reach your goals of wealth and freedom. Today's guest is Mike Cavaggione. Am I saying that right, Mike? Good job. And a retired U.S. Navy officer. Mike is a licensed realtor, a financial coach, a real estate investor, and a podcast host. Near the end of his Navy career, he shifted his focus to financial independence and entrepreneurship. Mike started investing in real estate and working his other side hustles to create passive income, and he became financially independent by age 38. That's an amazing bio. Thanks for joining us, Mike. Uh, Thank you for, again, like I said, uh, tell us more about your story, how you got started, uh, what you, what was your life like in the military, and that that journey to where you are now. I'd love to hear more of that. Sure. All right, Noel. Uh, thank you
1: again so much for having me on. Now, I, like your co-host, uh, who's not with us today, am a native New Yorker, uh, so I can talk forever. So shut me up whenever you need to, because uh, I could just keep going. Um, All <laughs> right. But yeah. So I- I'll I'll start back at the beginning i'm originally from long island new york that's that's where i joined the navy out of um and i served in the navy for 20 years i did uh multiple deployments i was on uh one two three three different ships did a boots on ground deployment with uh, naval special warfare which was a a life-changing experience um and just just an overall really well-rounded career in the navy um i spent most of my time in the service in Norfolk, Virginia and Virginia beach area, uh, where, where most of us wind up. And, uh, the whole time I was trying to leave and I couldn't leave until it was like closer to the end. And I I got orders to Hawaii, came out to Hawaii, loved to hear and said, you know what, I'm going to try to get another tour here and then retire, which is exactly what I did. So I retired at 20 years and five ish months and change. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a pretty good, pretty good ride. I was enlisted for nine and a half years, then commissioned, uh, as a limited duty officer, did my last 10 and a half years uh, commissioned and uh, really enjoyed it very much. So I first got into real estate actually at a at a much younger age, but I just didn't really do anything about it, right? So my uncle taught me about real estate. He he talked to me about it when I was really young in the Navy still. Um, and he would tell me, you know, he was working for the state of New York as a corrections officer in upstate. And he was buying properties up there. And he's like, you know, hey, you know, my big thing is when I retire from the state, I just want to collect rent. It's like, that's what I want to do. And uh, well, guess what? He's retired from the state and that's what he does. He collects rent and and he loves it. Um, most of his properties are paid off. And whenever he needs something, he'll either do a cash out refinance or sell a property if he has to. Um, and and he's in a pretty good spot. You know, and I was like, man, that that is really cool. That That's something I'm very interested in myself. So. I became an accidental landlord in, uh, I would say 2008 ish, 2009 ish. Right. I bought my first property in 2007. It was my primary residence. Uh, lived there for about two years, got orders, went back to Norfolk, Virginia. This is when I was on recruiting duty. So it was in the Shenandoah Valley, beautiful area in Waynesboro, Virginia. Um, anyway, I get stationed back in Norfolk and, uh, couldn't sell the house because obviously I bought it in 2007 and it is now 2009. We all know what happened in that 2008, 2009 timeframe. Um, yeah. So I was like, Oh, great. What do I do? It was on the market for about a year um, before I just decided to pull it off and find a renter. Very hard to find a renter. Had another recruiter buddy of mine that was looking to move into a bigger place. And I said, Hey, move into my place. It's a four bedroom. You know, it, it, it'll be much better for your family. Um, I knew I was going to eat a loss no matter what. So I was losing almost $400 a month uh, with my buddy renting it for me um, versus what my mortgage payment was. So that kind of really hurt a lot. Um, yeah. Fast forward to 2012, I wound up short selling that property because the value just never came back. So I bought it in 2007 for 250000 I sold it in 2012 for 157000 So. Oh, wow. Really, really sucked and uh, had, yeah. had to eat that uh, that debt, right? Now, I thought I lost my VA eligibility because of that, right? Because you know the VA covers so much of it, <clears throat> so much yeah. of a loss. Well, I was very lucky because when we got out here to Hawaii, we said, hey, we want to buy a house. And uh, I'll just give you a little bit of backstory there. What we did before we came to Hawaii is we focused on getting rid of all of our consumer debt, credit cards, personal loans, everything. We paid all that off. <clears throat> and we saved up to forty thousand dollars. We get out here to Hawaii. We buy our home, and well, we were buying our home and called the the, the VA hit us up and said, "Hey, um, your records flagged. <clears throat> like, I'll stop right now." Okay. Turns out, um, you know, our record was flagged because of the short sale, and we were really lucky because the lender that we had originally. Filed the paperwork on the 181st day. It has to be done within 180 days. So, oh, wow. looked at that and said, "Well, they didn't do what they were supposed to do on time. Here's your certificate of eligibility. You're good to go." And I was nice. like, Woo! <laughs> um,
0: "Skin of the teeth." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we, so
1: we, we got out here to Hawaii, bought our house, and you know, I, that that bug was still itching. I was like, "Man, I I really want to look at real estate again." I was talking to a buddy of mine that was stationed out here. Uh, with me we were previously on the theater roosevelt together and um you know at the time i think he had like 27 or 28 doors and he's like yeah mike come over for lunch you know bring your wife let's uh let's talk this out because the big thing was selling my wife on this because she was still really upset about what happened last time uh we had a renter and, and how that went down so um i found a couple duplexes back in chesapeake virginia I, I brought that stuff with us when we went over there and said, hey, look, here's some of the deals that I found. This is what the numbers look like. Did I do this right? All that good stuff. <clears throat> and two out of like the five of them were like actually pretty good deals. He's like, hey, these two are really good. You know, roll, you know, flip a coin or or get them both. So I said, okay. Um, so we wound up picking one. We, we bought this duplex. And uh, this was like in November 2009 when we were looking at all this. Uh, We didn't actually close on the property until February 5th, 2020, right? Now, what happened the very next month, right? COVID COVID, lockdowns, yeah. Somebody's telling us that real estate's just not for us. But we persevered. We pushed through. I had my upstairs tenant, couldn't pay rent. Downstairs tenant was section eight, which was covering most of the cost, which, which worked out, right? So we weren't like completely dying this time. So we... um. I wound up, uh, you know, not getting paid from my one tenant for about 7 or 8 months out of the year. But I did find a repayment program that they had, a rental repayment program, got him enrolled in that, and they actually backpaid me all the rent and the late fees, and we wound up cash flowing on that property $950 a month.
0: That's amazing.
1: Now, throughout this process, I'm going to a bunch of real estate meetups. I'm meeting people. Um, Now, at this point, they're all on Zoom. So I'm sitting through a lot of Zoom seminars. Um, And I started going to this one on multifamily. And I was really paying attention to what these guys were saying. And I was like, I really like this because I'm still active duty. It's hard for me to really be active. Like this property that I had back in Chesapeake is kicking my butt. Every time there's something wrong, I'm doing everything sight unseen. We're not allowed to fly off the island because of COVID. So I can't even go over there to look. at so this. I've never even seen or touched this property. And here it was, I owned it and I couldn't do anything about it. So I wound up selling that property for a profit now a year later and got into my first real estate syndication as a limited partner uh, with this group that I really came to know and trust because uh, actually a uh, couple of the guys in there were veterans, right? Or actually they were still active duty at the time and they were just crushing it. And I said, man, I I'm really digging this. So um, got involved with them. And then I wound up getting into two more um, shortly after that. And I realized, I quickly realized that this is this is pretty cool. Like that next year when I got my K-1s and I went to go file my taxes and I said, oh, look at this huge loss I get to claim. Like yeah, that was awesome. significant. And I think that's a side of it that a lot of people don't see um, that that LPs, that, that a lot of people don't realize that LPs get to benefit from is you get the the benefit of actually being a owner of that real estate and a lot of people Absolutely. don't realize that so anyway yeah i know i'm long winded but that was my journey <clears> into getting <throat> into real estate <sighs> i'll catch my breath now
0: no that's great that's a, and that's a really very similar to my background how i started and through the residential route into the multifamily um you know and that's how a lot of people do start out they think that okay i have to start with something small and build up which is not always the case but it is the sometimes the easiest route absolutely uh, so what you know what you know as you've gotten you developed this this uh you know your your platform or your your strategy of investing and financial uh coaching and and that sort of thing what out of what you're doing right now what gets you motivated to wake up in the morning why why is it what is your big why
1: Honestly, it's, it's to create generational wealth for my family to give my kids a better life than I had. You know, I, I pretty much didn't have a choice. Like I had to join the military, um, and get out of New York, or I was going to be stuck there and and probably not doing anything uh, good. Right. And I I didn't do the best in high school. So, you know, getting into a good college was out of the question. So if anything, I would have gone to community college for a little bit. And uh, knowing me, I probably would have gotten into the wrong crowd and it just, it probably wouldn't have worked out. Uh, So joining Mm -hmm. the military was the best route for me. I want to make sure that my kids have a better choice when it's time Mm -hmm. for them to move on, when they finish up high school, that if they want to go to college, they can. If they want to start careers as entrepreneurs, they can. I have the tools to help them get started, right? So that is my biggest why is to give them the best possible future that I can provide for them.
0: Yeah, that's, that's absolutely amazing. That's, uh, you know, really, like you said, it's having that experience in, uh, you know, where a lot of us coming from the military background, we're in that position where we were kind of, you know, you grew up in this, maybe a small town or in just not the best area. And then, you know, there's not the environment uh, of opportunity that some people grow up with. So you, you find a way out by joining the military, you know, and that's your, your step into, uh, at least a better, uh, opportunity in life. And then for you to be able to take that and run with it and make it something even better, uh, that, that's just phenomenal. It's a great story. I love it. So, uh, you know, and then, you know, as you, uh, as you've been doing this, you know, what I'm sure you've come across, you've talked to a lot of veterans, And what advice do you give them uh, to, so if they're about to transition from the military or maybe they recently transitioned, what advice do you give to them for their, you know, financially or to, if they're looking to also build that passive income and that generational wealth, like you're saying?
1: Well, as a recently transitioned veteran uh, you know, the, the biggest focus, I think, especially when, when getting out, transitioning, whether you retired or you're just exiting the military, is to make sure your finances are in order because I, it's almost guaranteed that stuff's going to get messed up on the way out the door. I can tell you um, they messed up my uh, separation pay when I was getting out. My retirement pay didn't start on time. All that good stuff. My VA stuff didn't finish on time. So. There's a lot of stuff that happens that transition. So what are you going to do to make sure that you're safe there? Thankfully, you know, I had a HELOC on my property that I I also do, um, you know, velocity banking as well, right? So Mm -hmm. I had some wiggle room that if I had an issue like that come up, and I did, that I had something to fall back on, which thankfully I did, right? So yeah. Uh, preparation is important, no matter what it is that you do. And if you don't own a property, you know you don't own your home, and you don't have a HELOC, you don't have a way to uh, back up, you know what, you know this this gap that you're gonna face, right? Or you don't have, you know, properties that are paying you, you know, you need to come up with a way that's gonna make sure that during this transition you're not gonna get stuck. Right? So I mm-hmm. always recommend to people, you know while you're in the military as well, before you get out, start doing some side hustles, figure out what works for you, something you enjoy, something you're passionate about, something that you would even consider making your main hustle, you know, once you got out. so that's that's my recommendation for that,
0: yeah, great advice, hundred percent and yeah, and and that's the thing is like so so many people wait until that last two years before retirement or, or a year before separation or, God forbid you get into the medical process and you have no timeline. It's just, it could be six months. It could be a year. It could be three months. Who knows, you know, um, but always be educating yourself and learning and preparing for what you might do if something happened immediately, um, uh, to be able to, uh, follow, you know, what you want, what would you feel your strengths and what you want to achieve. So that's great. Uh, you know, and you mentioned you have experience as well as a limited partner in deals. What you know, give us a, just a couple of pointers. What do you would you say are your most important criteria that you look for? Questions that you ask of a general partnership team of the operators that are putting together a syndication deal that you're thinking about investing in.
1: Yeah, I love that question. Right. So um, I, I was having a conversation with someone about this. Actually, it was it was another podcast I was a guest on and we were talking about the same thing. And it was, you know, we were doing a live stream and people were asking questions at the same time. So it really, it it was really cool to get that real-time feedback based on what I was saying. And, you know, my biggest thing when going into a syndication as a limited partner is knowing, like really knowing who those GPs are, right? Knowing who those operators are. Um, it's not just attending one or two of their seminars and 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 looking at the, the PowerPoint presentation and saying, oh, okay, yeah, cool. These numbers look great. I'm in, right? That's mm-hmm. something that kind of gets you pumped up and motivated, but you also need to be asking certain questions. One is, you know, how many of these deals have they done in the past? Have they ever had to do a capital call in the past, right? And for those of you that don't know what a capital call is, that's where that group needs to ask for more money because- they either fudged up the numbers or something happened. Like it happens, right? It's not always a bad thing. Like, uh, you know, one of the deals I'm in right now, we had an issue where we ran into that whole lumber shortage, right? Shortly after oh, yeah. we started renovations on that project, the we had the the lumber issue. The, you know, the price of lumber shot up. Then we had the supply mm-hmm. chain issues. So that project started off a lot slower. Thankfully, they had enough in reserves that they didn't have to do a capital call because they planned for something like that just in case. So really getting to know those operators, knowing how, how they think, how they plan is huge to, you know, for your own personal comfort level as well. The other piece of it too, is when they show you a slide deck on, on, you know, presentation on property Guess all that information that's in there um, is great. But the, the, the biggest piece of information that's in there is the name and the address of the property. Go look it up yourself Maybe go call some, you know, some people that are managing other similar properties in the area, ask them what the rents look like, right? You don't want to just go off the slide deck, okay? You want to see that this is a true value add. And this is actually advice I got from another syndicator as I was getting into my first one myself. I asked her, I said, hey, what do you do to make sure that this is a good deal yourself? And that's what she told me. She said, yeah, I call around to some of the other units out there and just ask the property managers, hey, you know, what is the average rent for this? What you know? What does the vacancy look like? Those kind of questions, right? And it gives you a good yeah. idea for the area itself. Um, the other thing too is look up what the job growth in that area looks like. Look up what the mm-hmm. job diversity, you know, the corporate diversity in that area looks like. That you don't want just one industry there, right? If it's yeah. military, it's probably pretty safe, right? But we have seen that whole thing with Brac back in the early two thousands where bases were getting shut down as we were downsizing in certain areas that can happen. So that's not always a hundred percent bet. Yeah, right? So you want to look for risk. diversity in, in the corporations as well. So those yeah. are probably the biggest things you need to look at.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's really good advice. So.
1: I mean, look at it huh. from the same view and the same lens that those operators are looking at it from, you should be looking at it the same exact way. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And you know, we we as our team as operators, we you know, really promote that for our investors. We want to educate and ensure that they are thinking through the same or seeing through the same lens that we are and asking the same questions that we do when we do our market research and our deal, uh, you know, uh due diligence and and whatnot. So that's you know definitely important. So you know, we'll kind of change the gears here a little bit, and this is uh, you know, kind of digging into some. Maybe a message or or a, a theme that you think is very important to you and to society. But if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere that could reach millions, maybe even billions of people, what would it say and why? The most
1: important thing to do is take action. That's what it would say. Take action. Yeah. 100%. Yeah,
0: I like it. That's yeah, true. Like you can plan all day you can run numbers all day
1: no listen so um, i i have this thing that that i talk about with other people um i call it my four pillars to building wealth right the first one is education and we we touched on this a little bit with what we were talking about right learning you know uh, taking courses whatever it is whatever particular thing you want to get into learn about it first read books educate yourself the second piece is mentorship and coaching You don't necessarily have to have a coach, but you better get a mentor, okay? You better have somebody that tells you like, hey, you know, maybe reconsider what you do or, you know, somebody that you can go to that you can confide in and say, hey, can you, does this look like a good deal to you, right? If you're just not sure, right? Have a mentor. A coach is great too. And here's the difference between the two. A mentor is going to be the person that you can go confide in, like I said, right? The coach is going to be the person that kicks you in your butt and says, hey, don't be an idiot. Go do something, you know, go do this, go do that. Take care of what you got to take care of, right? They're going to be the person that Mm -hmm. pushes you. The third thing that you need to do is network and build relationships, right? And there's a difference between just networking and building relationships. Going out to a networking event and handing out 3,000 business cards is great if you just want to waste a bunch of paper. Um, Yeah. What I always tell people to do is go to a meetup, meet two to five people at a meetup or a conference if, if it's depending on the size of it, right. If it's a large conference, try to meet up to five people, but really exchange contact information and really stay in touch with them. Even put them in your CRM database. You know, if they have, you know, a, a kid that's doing whatever, pay attention to that. Like, Oh, the, my son, Timmy's in a soccer tournament next week. And, you know, they're going to States and we're looking forward to it. Blah, blah blah. Call them in two weeks and be like, Hey, how did Timmy do last week? Did you guys win? Are you guys going to States? Did you, you know, did you make it? Yeah. If you That's do it. something like that, they're going to remember you, right? And when a mm-hmm. good deal comes up that, that gets thrown in front of them and they're getting involved in something, who's the first person they're going to think to call? Hey, man, this person really remembered me and, and paid attention to me at that meetup. And I think they're overall a good person. Let me see if they want in on this deal, right? So building yeah. relationships is, the, is super important, right? But the fourth one, the fourth pillar, which is the most important one uh, at, you know, of, of them all, is what I said on that billboard. Action, take action. Because if you don't take action, those other three pillars don't mean squat. You can educate yourself all day. You can talk to mentors and coaches all day. You can network all day, right? It doesn't mean anything if you don't take action.
0: Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you know, I think we've all seen it where people attend all kinds of seminars. They buy all kinds of books and, and they'll, they'll do all these things, uh, but never actually go out and take the action And they'll sit there for years and there's analysis paralysis, you know, and it's, uh, sometimes it's hard to, when you're starting out, that's, that's very common, but like you said, having that coach or, uh, the accountability partners, they help get you out of your head and, you know, really push you to take that action. That's great. hundred percent. Nice. So, you know, I know you talked a little bit about, you know, a couple, I guess you could Almost call them failures, but hardships that you experienced with some of your your early real estate investments. But you know what? What would you say is probably one of the we say failures? I tend to want to call them more lessons or seminars because we always learn something from every every one of them. What is one of your favorites that you probably I'd say that you learned the most from that is later set you up for success?
1: Uh, you know, first, I just want to preface this with, you know, when I think of failure, I think of, you know, steps, a stairway, right, going up all the way up to the top of success, right. And you always hear that saying where you hear people say fail forward, right. And if you fail forward, you're going to fall, you're going to fail forward onto those steps, right, which means mm-hmm. it's going to help push you continue going in the right direction if you fail backwards. You're going the wrong way. You're going to fall off the, <laughs> the, the steps, right? So I just want yes. to preface it with that. Now, with that being said, I always look back at what happened to me between that 2007 to 2012 timeframe with the first property. That I said, you know, this is this is going to be it. This is going to be my starting to real estate with my primary residence. I was a young E5, twenty twenty two, just turned twenty three years old, and I was like, this this is going to be the start of my legacy. And man, I look back at that. And I realized how much I let that hold me back because I waited years to get back into real estate again because the the debt that it caused and everything else that it caused, like it took me years to pay that mm-hmm. off, right? And to get to the point where I was debt-free and I can go and buy another property again. So I didn't let it necessarily shut me down, but I let it slow me down, Right. And instead of, you know, completely stopping, I I just started to trudge through, trudge through, trudge through, and eventually was able to get past that. I just feel like I could have, you know, I could have done it faster if I would have realized that I wasn't, it, it wasn't something that should completely stop me from getting back into real estate, right? I wound up going back to Norfolk, Virginia, living in base housing or renting because I felt like I couldn't qualify to buy a home or I felt like there was just too much debt and everything. There was always a way that I could have got back into real estate. I could have house hacked. Right. At the time we, we did have, you know, very small children, but I was like, there, there was ways to make that work. I just didn't really know them at the time. And I would, if I would have known that I probably would have went that direction, but that's okay. Everything. I believe everything happens for a reason kept pushing forward. So I I would say the biggest takeaway that I learned from this was not to let something that significant completely stop you from pursuing what you want to pursue. It took me a lot longer to get to where I wanted to get to, but I didn't stop. I eventually got back on track and persevered through so that the next time it happened in, you know, 2020, when you know, We had this pandemic, and I had this property, and, and now I got a tenant that can't pay rent. And it's like, oh, my goodness, what's going to happen? I was going to let all my hair fall out? No, it, it's already all gone, right? <laughs> what did I do is I said, okay, what's the best way to figure this out? And I found a program to help pay this guy's rent that he couldn't pay back. I just did my research. I, I looked, and I found this. Um, I even filled out all the paperwork for him, sent it to him and said, hey, man, just sign it and turn it into the office. And even that was pulling teeth. It took two weeks to get this guy to sign this and bring it to the office, even though I told him, like, this is going to stop you from getting evicted. Because guess what? Once this eviction moratorium is up, buddy, you're out. Like you haven't paid me rent in seven months. You're gone. Right. So, yeah, it it was was, I think it it was definitely something that um, I, I learned a lot from. That again, the next time I was faced with such a big, I guess, failure, I guess you could say, or big challenge, it didn't drive me to failure.
0: Yeah, that's great. And I, th- I think another lesson I see overall out of that is perseverance. Like you said, it's just, you- you're going to have, you're going to get knocked down, but you keep getting up and you keep going after what you know you need to get after. And uh, that, that's, that's huge. That's, uh, that's the key to success.
1: 100%, man.
0: So, you know, and moving on to a, another question here, you know, in the last, uh, you know, it could be five years, three to five years, fairly recent. What might be a new belief or behavior or habit that you've adopted in your life that has given you the most improvement?
1: Hmm, that's, that's a good question. Uh, probably something, I guess, a habit would be uh, I, I started journaling you know, um, at night and in the morning, um, giving myself daily affirmations. Uh, You know, I'm not big on the whole, like, oh, if you speak it into truth, it'll happen. But manifestation can can really be a real thing if you push and persevere with it, right? Like you said earlier, right? The perseverance piece. If it's something you're constantly telling yourself, you start to really believe it. And once you really believe it, you're going to take the steps to achieve it, right? So I would say that's one of the biggest things that that's changed for me is is doing is doing that right those those daily affirmations, and mm-hmm. um, it's really helped me with my mindset right because that's one of the biggest things I think that people struggle with. The biggest battle isn't you know where am I going to find the money, where am I going to find the deal. The biggest battle is up here, it's the the real estate between these two things right here between your ears right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the it. most important real estate you could take care of. And by doing something that's going to reaffirm what your goals are and then learning, right, as you go along and then taking action, um, that's going to help you no matter what. So those are the things that I think really helped me that that changed for me over the last uh, couple of years is, is giving myself these daily affirmations.
0: That's great. I no, appreciate you sharing that. That's good stuff. So, you know, and as we're getting down to the end of our time, uh really want to thank you for joining us really appreciate your time <clears throat> and the value you've provided to our listener uh you know what 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 uh could you you know if a listener wants to contact you what is the best way that they can reach you
1: sure yeah it's it's uh pretty easy um all my links are on my personal website it's just dot or the mikecav.com it'll redirect you there it's easier right my name's uh, not the easiest to spell but I've got uh, a link there that has a link to all my social media, uh, my my website, Average Show Finances, my podcast, Average Show Finances podcast, all that good stuff, uh, my coaching services. Um, yeah, everything's there. Everything that I'm working on, uh, including a new business I just started up out here doing inflatable nightclubs in Hawaii. Um, there's links to all that there. You can check it out and see what I'm all about.
0: Awesome. Great stuff. No, and we really appreciate this. Uh, You know, I I know our listeners uh, have have gotten great value out of this. I've gotten great value out of this. And, uh, you know, we want to thank you, our listener, for taking the time to listen to the Wealth Tank podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about investing in multifamily real estate, you can download our free passive investing guide on our website, jcoreinvestments.com, J-C-O-R-E investments.com. We're also on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you'd like access to our deals uh, and to learn more about our team, join our JCOR Investor Club absolutely free. We'll personally connect you, with you and determine if you're qualified to invest and if we're a good fit together. If you found value from this podcast today with Mike Cavagioni, please uh, leave us a five star rating and review and shoot him a message and tell him how much you enjoyed it as well. Uh, be, sure, be sure to share with a friend and, uh, We'll go ahead and close out today. And in the spirit of our friendly military rivalries, go Army, beat Navy. Oh, there it is.